Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with an NFL original, Icky Woods. All right, get set for the Icky Shuffle on the side. I'm there. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. Today on the program, we've got an NFL Pro Bowler and a member of the UNLV Football Hall of Fame. He's always been a fan favorite, and you'll know him for a shuffle he made famous. Ladies and gentlemen, Icky Woods. Icky, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, man, thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. I like it. This is I'm excited about these. You know, we... we I get into those baseball podcasts. I like to stretch out, stretch my legs a little bit, and uh, looking oh, yeah, forward yeah, to that. Most definitely, most definitely. You know, we gotta, we gotta, gotta stretch as we get older. But I understand what you're saying, baby. Gotta stretch it. out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, your given name is Albert. Everybody Albert in the Nick, world yeah. knows you as Icky. How did that come about? Yeah. Well, when I was um, when I was younger, I was about one, and my older brother was. Uh, two and a half. He uh, couldn't pronounce uh, Elbert, so he used to call me E.E. all the time. And to make it easier for my, for him, my mom started calling me Icky, and it's kind of ironic. We grew up Koki and Icky. His name was Koki. My name was Icky. So we. Uh, so I've had it ever since I was one, man, and I just, you know, I, I just roll with it. We had Muggsy Bogues on the program a couple weeks ago. Oh, Muggsy, huh? okay. <laughs> and he had a similar story. You know, his name's yeah. not Muggsy. I said, Muggsy, tell me. And he told me this long story, and he said it just stuck because I stole the ball from everybody. So they called him Muggsy, and it, and it was pretty right, cool. Right. It stuck, and, and you have it through your career. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, you grew, up in, you grew up in Fresno, California. I did. What? What's Icky Woods like as a kid? Uh, probably, uh, you asked my mom, I was probably hard-headed as hell, you know, just, you know, being a kid, hard-headed, didn't want to, you know, just run around trying to do stuff I, I shouldn't have been doing. But, you know, one thing is I was a bigger kid. I was no bigger than everybody else, so I was also blessed with the talent to play football. And so I played Little League. Uh, Pop Warner uh, played that, and I was, you know, good, fairly decent at that, and then uh, went off to uh, junior high, played there, and got better uh, high school. I actually started um, varsity my 10th grade year in high school, so I was, was, you know, more advanced than, than others, and then I was fortunate enough to like I said, be blessed and played uh, three years of varsity and did my thing and was fortunate enough to have a UNLV come in and offer me a full ride scholarship. So I went to University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and played there for four years and really didn't do too much my first three years there. But in my senior year, I had a coach by the name of John Montgomery come in a new running back coach um, showed that he cared about me as a individual and not as a football player and uh, made me a uh, promise that if I did everything he told me to do and I give him 110%, he guaranteed I'd be a 
first or second round draft choice. And I'm like, man, I don't even know this guy. What do you mean make me a first or second round draft choice? But I, you know, really didn't have a choice. I wasn't, wasn't real great at school, didn't like school too much. So my, my way out was football. And so I did everything he asked me to do, and I gave him 110%. Ended up leading the nation in rushing and was the uh, first player, 31st player taken in the NFL draft, first player taken in the second round. Yeah, you went to Edison High School. You had some athletes come out of there. I did a little research. You had Tim McDonald yeah, come did. out of there, Bruce Bowen. Yeah. And uh, Ryan Bowen, Braun uh, played for the Royals. Yeah. So, yeah, we've had, we had some guys come out of come out of that Edison High School, man. It's a nice, nice, nice – uh, Nice ball players. So you mentioned, okay, so you're off to UNLV. Yeah. And man, that's a crazy place to go to college. How was oh, that? Man, we've we've was, all been, yeah, we've all been was, there. It was off the chain. You know, and I was I was there around the time Jerry Tarkanian and the basketball yeah. team was, was doing eight things. So it was uh it was definitely a basketball city. Man, it was just uh just fun to go to the games there at the Thomas and Mack Center. When I got there, I think the Thomas and Mack Center had been there two years. And uh, on my recruiting trip, they actually took me in to uh, to meet uh, Tarkanian. He was uh, one of the big-time recruits uh, that helped recruit a lot of the football players to come there. They were talking about they wanted to turn their football program into a bona fide program and wanted, you know, guys like me to help turn that program into something respectable. And uh, when I got there, uh, uh, Randall Cunningham was our quarterback when I got there. He was a senior when I was a freshman, so I got to see him play uh, every every Saturday. And, man, you talking about a, a specimen, a guy that's unbelievable in some of the things that he did. Uh, he did some – some great things that, you know, at the NFL level, but man, he was unbelievable at the college level. He was also an all American punter as well as a quarterback. I, yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, those Eagles, yeah. those Eagles, I grew up in Philly or just outside okay. of Philly. I grew up in, I grew up in Jersey. So I'm, you know, I was a big Philly and Eagles and 76ers fan. And I remember when Randall came and before him, yeah. there was a guy named white, I think, and he was a he was a quarterback, and he was a okay. punter as well. So he he wasn't yeah. the level of a Randall Cunningham, but right, so, right, right, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so we unbelievable so, man. I got to play with some some unbelievable players, and eventually, I turned out to be a pretty good player myself. So the Vegas thing, we've all been there as adults, and you know when they talk about, and I'll speak on the MLB side. They've always been worried about putting a big league team in Las Vegas just because of the lifestyle. And yeah. unlike foot, unlike football, where you guys play once a week and it's Sunday and you come in, you know, the night or two nights before and you kind of you quarantine and you have you have curfew and, and bed check baseball. There's nothing like that. So to let to let loose a big league baseball team in Vegas for four for four days, say you have a four game yeah. series. There's a lot of reservations, and that's probably the reason it's never happened. But oh yeah, um, most definitely, most definitely. Well, they 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 actually got a football team there now. The Raiders is there. Yeah. Now, so we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens, man. They finally 
they finally broke down and and, and, and put the Raiders in there, man. And I'm kind of glad they did that because it's going to help the university as well because, you know, the uh, UNLV football team play, plays in the Raiders stadium. So they'll have, they'll have all their home games at the – at the uh, at the Raiders Stadium, so that's gonna that's gonna draw a lot of big name recruits to to our school as well. So as you mentioned, your senior years when you really come into your own, you le- you lead the nation in rushing. It's not like you led your you know your conference. You led right. the nation. You were the thirty first pick in the years nineteen eighty eight. The Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. The, um. Big draft too that year. Tim Brown was in that one. Michael Irvin, Thurman Thomas, yeah. who you got you got picked ahead of Thurman Thomas. Eric I Allen, did, I did. So that talk you had with your coach going into your senior year, and like yeah. you said, you told me, you know, I don't know you, and and what do you talk about? We'll see. From that talk with your coach to the day your name's called, near the thirty-first pick in the NFL draft. How far did Icky Woods come as a as a football player? I think I, I think uh, I came a long ways, man. Because like I said before that, I was on nobody's radar. You know, I was going into my senior year, and I I've, I've been there three years, and I think I rushed for a total of about three hundred and seventy yards in in three years. So I really didn't do much. I I think the only year that I really did something was my um my freshman year is when uh we went to the california bowl and i was able to play in that bowl and that was in my hometown of fresno so i was able to uh rush for nearly 100 yards in that game but other than that man i just i i don't know why i guess i guess i was you know a stubborn hard-headed kid and you know i wanted to try to do things my way and really didn't understand at the time, you know, you have to do it the coach's way or you won't play. And so going into my senior year, I had an incident that uh, happened. Uh, I was actually, uh, thank the Lord, that uh, it didn't happen, but I was actually getting ready to become a, a big-time uh, big time dope dealer back, back in my hometown. I had hooked up with one of my homeboys and he was like yo man you been need to come hang come do this man we making all this money and i was uh about to do that and i told him i had made my mind up that i was gonna go that route and i told him hey man i seen him that day i said i'll see you later on tonight and uh we'll hang out and put our game plan together and let's let's roll with this and then uh, for some reason, we did not hook up, and then I get a call about 3 o'clock in the morning. It's uh, a family friend telling me that my homeboy got shot 19 times and got his throat cut. And I was like, oh, 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 no, that's, that, that, that's, that's not for me. I said, let me get my butt back in school and, and, and get back on this football grind. And so I got back to school, and I eat slept and shitted football man literally because that was that that's what it was all about and so i was able to do that and then like i said i had the guy coach montgomery come in and uh showed that he cared about me as an individual and not as a football player and every tuesday we would we would go in his office and he would just sit back and and talk to me about 
you know, just about life, man. And we would start watching the um, nation's leading uh, passer, rusher, uh, receiver, and every Tuesday we would go to his office and watch me, you know, move up to the rushing charts. And I think the, my last game of the year, I needed 184 yards to become the nation's leading rusher. And it was between me and Ironhead Hayward out of Pitt. And he had already played his last game. So I needed 184 yards to take him over. And we were playing Northern Illinois on ESPN. And I, I ended up rushing for 187 yards to edge him out as the nation's leading rusher. And so uh, that with that and going to the um, – uh, got an invitation to the – Senior Bowl, the Hula Bowl, and the um, and the Japan Bowl. So, got invitation to those uh, those three All Star uh, games, and then I was fortunate enough, like I said, to go to the combine, and I ran a four four five uh, forty at the combine for you know, and at that time I was two hundred and twenty five pounds, so that was a a real great. Uh, speed for a, a guy that big, so I was able to do that, and then went through all the the lifting and jumping at the combine and tested out real well, and so I, you know, was able to do good there. And then, you know, like I said, I was actually uh, first player taken in the second round. I thought I was going to go in the first round with the twenty four pick. Uh, for the Bears, but they took Brad Mustard out of Stanford. And so, you know, so I was able to go with to the Bengals in the uh, first player in the second round. So most players, most athletes, you know, we go from a smaller city and then when we get called, you know, for a baseball player, you get called to the big leagues. Football player, you get called to the NFL. You're going to a big primetime city. Now, Cincinnati's a pretty big sports town. You know, I played there with the Reds from 94 to 98. Uh, but you're going from the bright lights of Vegas to, you know, it had to be a little bit mundane going to the Midwest Cincinnati. But uh, what were your first <laughs> thoughts of Cincinnati? Mine was the skyline oh, chilling. Well, you know, I was, I was, uh, my agent said there was three teams that we, that we did not want to go to. And the Bengals happened to be one of them. But they drafted me, so I really didn't have a choice. So, you know, but once I got here and and got to see the city and, you know, the, the people here, man, I thought was great. You know, that's why I'm still here. You know, Cincinnati is a great place. And at the time that I was released uh, from the Bengals, Cincinnati was the number one city to raise a family in. And at that time, I was married with four kids. And so we just decided to stay put in Cincinnati and it's been, a, I'm, like I said, I'm originally from California and the cost of living back there was outrageous. And, you know, I can get a $250,000 home here in Cincinnati that it cost me uh, $1.5 million in, in California. So that was, that was an easy choice for me. So we just stayed here and, and Cali- uh, stayed here in Cincinnati and made the best of it, man. It's a great city and I was well known here. So the opportunities a lot, were a lot more lucrative for me here in Cincinnati. So we just stayed. Yeah. And I think, I think it, not, 
enough. You know, there's a there's a lot to that. In that last statement you said, you're well known in the city, and opportunities open up. You know, a lot of athletes when they're done playing, they go back to their roots. Like for me, I came back to California, and you're right about that two fifty versus a million five. It's ridiculous <laughs> out here in California. <laughs> But I enjoyed oh, my yeah. time in Cincinnati. I remember I, was, I came up a Seattle Mariner. I got traded to the Cincinnati Reds, and I was a young kid. And I remember Davey Johnson at the time was the manager of the Reds. I got a phone call. And I did. You know, you're young, and you don't know what to think. Like you said, it, there were three teams on your list, and one of them was the Bengals. And you ended right. up loving it. You know, I, I wasn't crazy about starting over. I had just started my career in Seattle. They were starting to know me. Now I got to pick up and move to a new city. I ended up right. really enjoying my five years in Cincinnati. I got some of that skyline chili, that oh, Montgomery yeah. in, that Montgomery yeah. in ribs. Oh, yeah. And that, and that Grater's ice cream. I tell people all the time, they only got Grater's in Cincinnati. Right, right. That's some good stuff, boy, I tell you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No <laughs> doubt. All right. So let's get on with your career. Uh, you come to Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, man, that city's rocking. Reds were, will win two years later. They they win the World Series in 1990. Correct. And your first year is 88. You rush for over 1,000 yards. I think you lead the the AFC, the AFC in rushing that year. You're second team All Pro. You're on the All Rookie yeah. team, and in your in your rookie year, you get to go to a Super Bowl. You go to Super Bowl twenty three. Uh, yeah. Walk me through that a little bit. What that what that was like that first year in Cincinnati. I, I tell you, I, I got here and um, we got to training camp, and it was kind of ironic because the year before I got here. They said it was a big uh, racial thing going on. The white players and the black players uh, really didn't get along, you know, the infrastructure. I don't, I don't know what it was, but when I got here, Sam Weiss had did something real innovative in training camp is he took a, a defensive player and an offensive player and roomed them together, and he made sure whichever player it was, uh, he made the black player room with the white player. And so I re- I roomed with a guy named Rich Romer. Um, he was a linebacker. And so got to know him, got to talk to him, you know, at late night when we, you know, getting ready to wind down and getting ready for the next day. We got to, you know, know each other, where we were from and that type of thing. And so I, I think that kind of bonded our, our team more together uh, when we did that. So when we started that season, man, we were we were playing on all cylinders. We won our first six games. Uh, we started off six and zero, and then we went down to uh, New England and lost to the Patriots uh, in New England. Uh, we end up uh, winning our last game of the year against the Washington Redskins. Uh, Chip Low Miller hit, missed the field goal; it hit the upright. And we come back and and kick a field goal uh, late, uh, late and uh, early in overtime to win the game and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And I think that that's helped, that helped us out quite a bit because we did not lose a game that year in the jungle. And so uh, people had to come to the jungle. And then we had that real innovative no huddle offense that Bruce Coslett and uh, Sam Weiss put together. 
man, and it was uh, it it just caught a lot of people off guard, and uh, we used it, you know, against Buffalo in the AFC Championship. Marv Levy, you know, was adamant about us not using it. We can't use it. Yada 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 yada. And then he comes back the next four years and goes to the Super Bowl with it four years in a row. <laughs> Go <Wow>. figure, huh? <laughs> but yeah, man, it was uh, it, it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable ride, man, just to come here and for the guys to uh, open their arms and welcome me. And I know I when I, when we first started, I was um, thirty one. I was thirty one in training camp. And uh, Bill Johnson was was 30, but uh, when we got to our meeting room the uh, first day of training camp when the vets came in, I know we came in like three, day, three days early before the vets came in. We The rookies came in and the uh, free agents came in, and we were there three days before the veterans showed up. So when the veterans finally showed up in the – meeting room uh on the board uh jim anderson had the first team second team third team offense uh uh back and fullback and he had stanley wilson as the first team back he had me as the second team back and he had bill johnson as the third team back well bill johnson got upset because bill johnson felt he should have been the second team uh fullback instead of this rookie coming in and so he got upset and he left camp. And when he left camp, you know, I went into Tom Grant. I was like, hey, Tom, because I wore 30 in college. And I went up to Tom Grant. I said, hey, Tom, you know, I need to get that number 30, Bill Johnson, and left camp. You know, he's he not coming back. And then Tom Gray would say, Tom Gray say, hey, we got to wait six weeks before we can give the jersey away because he can come back within those six weeks. So I said, okay. So. I kind of just, you know, so I went on ahead and I played in 31, and then that six-week came against the Cleveland Browns, uh, no, against the uh, New York Jets, actually. And uh, we had playing the New York Jets, and I and I had a great game, man. I rushed for about 142 yards. I had two touchdowns. And the uh, the next Monday I went into the, uh, the trainer's office, Tom Gray. I said, hey, Tom. Man, it's been six weeks, man. I need to get that number 30. And Tom was like, no, no, no. You had a great game in 31. You need to keep 31. I said, I tell you what, Tom. If I don't have 30 in my locker come game time, I ain't playing. And I just walked out. (laughs) (laughs) And was it there? I had no intentions on not playing, but I I just said that to see what was going to happen. And then uh, game time come the next week, man, number 30, sitting in my locker. I was like, yeah, baby, that's what I'm talking about. So we put the number 30 on and we rocked and rolled with that. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, man. All right. We're getting to the shuffle, baby. ever? Do you ever get sick of talking about it? I know you broke it out against the Jets. And now we're talking – we're talking late 80s, okay? So the NFL, mm-hmm. you, you had Billy White Shoes Johnson, and really, yeah, he, uh, other than that, originator. yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, Billy there White was Zicky Woods. Was the originator of the Funky Chicken. And yeah. So, so, what, so what had happened is I had, uh, I had flew my mom and Brett for a game against the Cleveland Browns, 
And uh, me and my two oldest kids at the time were five and two. And I was up playing music and up acting crazy and just having a blast. I said, Mom, if I score tomorrow, this is what I'm going to do. She was like, boy, you better not do that. I was like, yeah, Mom, I got to. I got to. So I scored against the Browns, and I just jumped up in the air and just kind of put my hands in between my legs and and switched the ball. And Ricky Dixon, who was our first-round draft choice that year, he was like, Wood. Woods, man, what was that? I was like, hey, Rick, that was my celebration dance, man. He was like, man, that S-H-I-T was whack. I was like, what you mean, Rick, it was whack? He said, man, that was whack. I say, so what you think, Rick? You think I ought to put some steps to it? Rick was like, yeah, man, put some steps to it. So I thought the whole week, Rick, what could I do? What could I do? I couldn't come up with nothing. And then five minutes before it was time to go out and warm up, it just hit me. I said, Rick, check this out. This is what I'm going to do if I score a touchdown today. I'm going to go one, two, three to the right, one, two, three to the left, one, two, three back to the right, and then I'm going to hop back three times and spike the ball. He was like, oh, yeah, it, man, that's going to be live. That's going to be live. So I tell everybody. And I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. And by the grace of God, you know, we were winning ball games, and it, and it took off. Never in my wildest dreams did I, did I think it was going to take off the way it did. And like I said, mostly for me, it was for our fans in the jungle because I never did it outside of the jungle. I always did it at home. You know, even when I scored touchdowns on the road, I didn't do it on the road. I only did it at home in front of our fans. Well, that's, that's cool. And, and I can only, I, I, I can, I feel you on the, on the doing it for the fans thing. I, I got to yeah. about 2001 when I was in Seattle, I started, I started flipping my bat a little bit and, and my team, my teammates came to me and they said, uh, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I just give it a little extra. When I know it's gone, I'm going to give it a little extra flip. My teammates loved it. The city kind of loved it. I didn't take it serious. I wasn't there to show anybody up. But it, it, like you said, in a smaller way, it was no icky shuffle, trust me. But it was just my little subtle, I'm going to let you know when I get you. And it kind of right. took on a it took on a life of its own. And my it like it I said, does. my team my, Yeah, my teammates kind of egged me on and and it wasn't a big deal. You know, I'd hit it, I'd flip it, and I'd be on my way to first. I wouldn't stand there and watch it or anything like that. Right, but so I right, can relate right. a little bit that you're just having fun. And, and it, was for oh, your, yeah. it was for the hometown. It was for your teammates. And that was kind of swag before there was swag. You know, now, yeah, yeah, nowadays, yeah. <laughs> nowadays, I sit there, and I don't know what you think, but I get asked all the time about, you know, what do you think of the bat flips today, Brett? I, I really don't really like them. I don't think they're very innovative. I think they're all right. really choreographed and staged and kind of fake. I like the, you know, I, I grew up in the era of that Ken Griffey Jr. follow through. Now that's right, right. cool. And I did right. my little flip, but every, every Tom, Dick and Harry now has got to right. move. And I think that's where sports has gone to, you know, for me, it was always first baseball, second entertainment. 
And I, and I think right, now right. in these days with, with Instagram and Twitter, uh, oh, man, it's, it's all yes, about sir. branding yourself. So w- what do you think about the guys today, the modern day athlete and the celebrations? Do you like him? Do you not like him? Or, or do you like some? Do you not like some? Well, I, 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 you know, Brett, I, I do. I, I like I like them to have fun. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what uh, that's what football. You know, growing up as a kid, that's what football was all about. It was all about having fun and you know getting the fans into it and just having a great time, man. And and you know when I first got to the league, you know I tried to do a little something at every level, but every level, you know they. They wouldn't let you do nothing. So when I finally get to the NFL, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm at the highest level. I'm able to do something now. Let me come up with something. Came up with it, and bam. They say, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So they told me I need, I got to take it to the sideline or whatever. So I'm sitting in my locker one day, and, and, and you know, it was just before one of our games late in the season, and Paul Brown who was the owner, came through, and normally he'd come in the locker room and he'd walk straight to the back. You know, he wouldn't, he'd, you know, he'd kind of say hi to everyone, but he would never stop. He'd go straight to the back. And, I mean, this was every game, straight to the back, wouldn't stop and talk to nobody. And so this particular day, you know, I'm sitting in my locker and I look up and he walks in and he's getting ready to go to the back and he stops, he looks at me, and he starts coming over to me. Now, Brad, I'm thinking, you know, what the hell did 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 I do something? What's going on? Why, you know, why is he coming over here? You know, because he don't, you know, he never does this. I'm like, so I'm trying to think about did I do something? Did I did I mess up some type of way? What what did I do? So I'm a little nervous as he walks up to me, and he says, "Hey, Icky." I say, "Hey, PB, how you doing, sir?" He said, "Oh, I'm doing okay." He said, "I just wanted to let you know." He said, "Me personally, I don't care too much for that little dance you do." He said, "But my <laughs> wife loves it. You can do it anytime you get ready." <laughs> oh wow! I said, "Boy, you talking about a stamp of approval?" I said, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir." <laughs> I'll tell you what, I loved it. Because it was it was new. It was something about it. It it was uh I don't know. It was fun loving. You know, some someday yeah. I can't oh, tell yeah. you why I liked your particular shuffle, but I did. Oh, yeah, we had, we had fun doing it, brother. That's what it was all about, having fun. And the NFL, you're like you said, they make you take it to the sidelines. They ban you couldn't yeah. celebrate. College follows in lockstep. Still to this day in college football, there's no taunting. What do you think? Is that a good yeah. thing or a bad thing for college football? You know, it's it's I I I think it's a bad thing, but they you know they they've coming up they they're trying to come up with some innovative stuff. I know uh, Miami did a couple of years ago with the turnover chain and a few other things that that they that they were starting to come up with to get the get the guys hyped up, you know, to get a turnover or get a make a big play. So it's a uh, you know, like I said, man, it's all about the fun of the game. You know, you, you start playing that game when you're a kid, and it's all about having fun and, and loving the game. And it's just, you know, when you when you get up to that, that ultimate level, man, You got, but you got to understand it's also a business too. So you got to, you know, as you get older, it turns into a business. And then 
a lot of the fun go goes out the window, you know. So we go to uh, '89. You hurt your knee, and yeah. You know, that's the, the story of Vicki Woods. It was, you came on the scene, couldn't be a brighter star, fan favorite. You hurt your knee, you're never the same. And your career ends up ending after the 91 season. Right. Now, I now I remember, you know, I was fortunate enough, I got to play a lot of years in, in Major League Baseball. And I never thought about when it was all over. I just, you know, when you're playing and you know how it is when you're young, you think, oh, I'll I'll just play this game forever. And then, you know, we all we all have we all have our time and and it's, you know, it's it's out of our control. My time came just like everybody else's time came. And and I had a tough time with it because I thought I'll be fine with this. You know, I can't play like I used to. I'm going to go off in the sunset. But I had a, I had a tough time with it for years, uh, kind of figuring out now now what do I do? The the quick rise that you had and, and became yeah. that bright light, and then the injuries piled up, and you had to retire after ninety one. Um, right. How tough how, how tough was that for you to go from that level of high to I got to retire after ninety one? I can't do this anymore. Yeah, it was you know it it was tough at first. But Brett, I had I had babies to raise, man. So I couldn't sit around feeling sorry for myself. So you know, I had to I had to start getting out and you know getting into the real world and start making a living because I had kids. I had to put clothes on their backs and food in their mouths, man. So I couldn't I couldn't sit back and go through the uh, uh, the me me sorry for me me situation so you know i i went you know basically right to work man i started you know i i had to get the gab so i was able to pretty much sell things and i was a big i was a good people person so i went into sales and you know sold cars uh vacuum cleaners sold uh meat door to door so i did a little bit of everything man and i you know and it really didn't matter to me what people thought about me, you know, because everybody got got an opinion, and nine times out of ten, they're like a opinions like an asshole, and they stink. So I don't, I didn't care what anybody thought about me, or or what, or they, or what they called me. I just, I knew I had to provide for my kids, and the best way to do that is is to get out and work. So, and, and that's what I did. It's it's an amazing story. You're you're still to this day. You're you're a beloved player. Uh, you have a legacy, and it was short lived your career. But but not too many guys can say they have a legacy. Still, you know, especially guys our age, guys older than us. Everybody knows Icky Woods. That Icky Woods shuffle. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. And and the story you told about not showing up that night and, and your buddy at the time ended up getting killed and, and your life went in a different direction. It's almost like that was a God shot and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. a, 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 a define, you know, we all have defining moments in our life and, and sounds no to me doubt. like that was one for you. No, most definitely. That was a, it was definitely an eye opener and, you know, and I had to rethink, rethink the decision that I was getting ready to make. And, you know, there was, there was no, there, there was no other way, but, going back to school and putting my head in them books and, and getting that schoolwork done and 
you know, finishing up playing, and it was probably the best decision, you know, one of the best decisions I've made in my lifetime because I'm I'm at the point where I'm at now. You know, I had a, a wonderful career. It was short, but I did have a good career, and I and I think I'm doing some great things now with my son's foundation. So you know, things are things are on the right track. So I can't complain. I saw you, you did Cincinnati Bell commercial. You did the Oldsmobile, but everybody that that knows Icky Woods, they can't. You can't miss the Geico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I love it. How, how did that come about? <laughs> I was sitting at home, and um, I get a call from somebody at the Bengals office saying that uh, someone wanted to know if I was interested in doing a commercial, and I was like. Uh, well, who is it? What type of commercial? They said, well, we don't know the particulars, but we'll uh, put you in contact with them. You want me to give them your number? You want to take their number? I said, well, give them my number. And I said, give me their number as well. So about 20 minutes later, I get a call from a, um, a lady saying that she was with the Martin agency. And I said, okay. I said, um, said one, two to find out if I was interested in doing a commercial. I was like, well, yeah, I said, yeah, I'm interested. Well, you know, who is your client? She said, well, I can't divulge the client right now until you sign a disclosure. So she sent over the, the disclosure. I signed it, and he told me that the, uh, the client was Geico, and they wanted to do a commercial and use my shuffle. I said, well, you know, what is the premise of the commercial? She said, well, we don't know right now, but we know we want to use the shuffle and we want to make sure that, you know, that it was okay with you and, you know, we want to have you in the commercial. I said, okay. I said, so so we put some numbers together and, you know, agreed upon a, a good number for both of us. And we um, they flew me out to uh, California, Beverly Hills. We'd done it at a Ralph's in Beverly Hills. And, uh they had three versions of the commercial. One was the grocery store that, that they showed. And then the other one was me sitting in the living room with a young girl playing the game Yahtzee. I would shake the dice, roll the dice, and yell Yahtzee and get up and start doing, um, doing the shuffle. And she's kind of looking at me crazy while I'm, while I'm dancing, doing the shuffle, and then they had one where I was outside watering the grass and the paper boy rides by and throws the paper and I catch the paper in midair and say, oh, I still got it, and breaks off into the shuffle. And so out of those three, they were going to choose the one and they chose the grocery store, which I thought was a was a good one. And I actually ad-libbed on that last bit of the uh, commercial where I jumped in there and said, what? I'm gonna get me some cold cuts today. They had me going back to the cart and just leaning over the cart and pulling something up and act like I'm reading. Right, I did that twice and I was like, man, I ain't doing that no more. That that's whack. I I can't do that. And then so the third time we did it, I just you know when I got to the cart, I just jumped up. I was like, Woo! I'm gonna get me some cold cuts today. They was like, oh, we love that. We love it. We love it. And so they put it in. It was a good thing. So we had a lot of fun with it. 
It's cool. <laughs> it's funny. It is yeah. funny. I watched it before before we did our the program today. I, I kind of I I googled it. I had to see it one more time because oh, I yeah. remember oh, when, yeah. when it first came out. I was cracking up. All right. Oh, yeah. So you you mentioned your your uh, your foundation. You got the Icky Woods Foundation, and I believe it's Jovante Woods Foundation. Tell me a little yeah, bit I, about. I actually, I actually just do the Jovante Woods Foundation. I dissolved the Icky Woods Foundation when I lost my son. My my Icky Woods Foundation dealt with uh, inner city kids. We would show them uh, a better way. You know, we would take them fishing and and boating and, you know, take them out to get an experience that they, that they don't experience in the inner city. And then, right. you know, I did that for about, about six years. And then I lost my middle son to asthma. And then after I lost him to asthma, I started a foundation in his name called the Javante Woods Foundation. And what I do with that is I go around the country raising money for asthma research and asthma education to hopefully if not find a cure, find a better way to treat asthma and to educate people on how serious and severe asthma really is. Because a lot of people think you just, you know, you have an attack, you take your inhaler, you should be okay. And that, and that's not, and that's not the case. Uh, asthma, uh, when I, did research come to find out that asthma is the fastest growing disease in America. Since 1980, asthma has risen 80% in the kids from the age of being born to the age of 19. And a real alarming statistic, Brett, that just blew me out the water is that 11 people a day die from asthma. Man, I couldn't believe that. I was like, wow. And then I started doing research to see if there's any anybody out there with asthma foundation doing anything about it. And it, and it was really nothing, nothing out there on a national level. So we started the Javante Woods foundation and our, our ultimate goal is to be uh, the face of asthma, like Jimmy V is for cancer. All right. Very cool. And uh, I got one more thing for you. Yeah. Icky, Icky Woods. What do you, what do you want to be remembered for when it's all said and done? Brett, I just want to be remembered as a great American who done his part in, in making sure that the world was a better place. You know, whether it's, you know, saving lives through the foundation or, or helping a life, you know, just want to be a, a guy who's remembered for putting others in front of himself. All right. Icky Woods, I appreciate you coming on the Boone Podcast. It was a pleasure. Finally get to talk to you, man to man. I uh, had a great time, and I appreciate you coming on. What we do at the end of each and every Boone Podcast is we kick it to the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy, to ask a question from the fans. Dan. Sir, right, sir, Icky Woods. This one comes hey, from. Man, what's going on, brother? <laughs> How are you, man? This I'm doing wonderful, man. How about yourself? I'm just like the steaks in my fridge. I'm just marinating, buddy. Just marinating. There it is, brother. There it is. This one comes from Jimmy in Pittsburgh, and he wants to know this: What player in the league today reminds you of you? Uh, I'd have to say the. Uh... You got two of them. I like the kid 
in uh, Tennessee, the Henry kid runs hard and runs runs fast. And then I have to say my boy down here, Joe Mixon, man, he's a run hard in between the tackles, man. If we can just get him a offensive line, man, he could be awesome. But I, I really, really like the way that 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 kid Henry runs and and down there in Tennessee, man, kind of reminds me of me. He punishes him in the first half and then sets him up and run around him in the second half. He's a he's a heck of a running back. I like him. Icky Woods, thank you so much for jumping on the Brett Boone podcast. We appreciate it, sir. Hey, thank, thank you guys for having me, man. You guys have a wonderful and blessed evening. Mailbag. All right, Brett, you know that sound. Uh, is it mailbag time, Dan? Mailbag time. <laughs> and this one comes from Jerry in Phoenix. And Brett, he wants to know this. Who is your favorite football player growing up? Oh, it's got to be an eagle, doesn't it? I just talked about it. It doesn't have to be. It could be whoever you want to be. It's got to be an eagle. Uh, I'm going to go with Wilbert Montgomery. He was a tailback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I liked them all. Jaworski, who I think we got coming on the podcast, was a quarterback. Wilbert Montgomery. Uh, Cunningham was the wide receiver. Yeah, I, I was an Eagles guy. Jack LaMaster was the deep, he was a uh, middle linebacker. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to go with Wilbert Montgomery uh, from the 70s and 80s, Eagle tailback. He was a stud. Very cool, very cool. Back we go. This one comes from Art in Sarasota. Booner, did you ever DH? <sighs> That's a good question, Art. I don't think I ever did. I, I don't quote me on it. I don't think I ever DH'd, but I might have. <laughs> I know I, if I did, I didn't like it because I, I hated pinch hitting. I wasn't any good at it. Um, thankfully, I didn't have to pinch hit that much. I don't know. I had to mix in a DH, didn't I, through those years? I but, would think once, but if you don't even remember but, it, that's well, a... Well, but, but, you know, my American League teams where we had the DH was always the Seattle Mariners... And I always had Edgar Martinez on my team. So there wasn't much room for, for another DH. I had to do it one, one time. Who knows? But uh, I, I can't, uh, I do not recollect. So for those of you keeping score, what was supposed to be a pretty easy question, got a, uh, I don't know. There you go. Chalk that one until hilarious. All right. That's going to do it for the Brett Boone Podcast. My name, of course, Dan Levy. I'm the technical director and producer and the voice of the Boom Podcast. Executive producer, all that stuff gets taken care of by our buddy Rich Herrera. Digital content, all that gets worked on by Liz Landry. Please share the Boom Podcast with neighbors, friends, and all those that love sports, especially the game of baseball. We uh, we major in that one. Make sure you subscribe to the Boom Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, please give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boom Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boom Podcast, my name is Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Have a good one.